This episode is sponsored by State Farm. You a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Well, look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers. They're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Window. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. Good evening. I'm Ron Burgundy, and this is what's happening in your world tonight. from Joe's mom's basement, it's The Stacking Benjamin Show. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug. Ever wonder how to get ahead? Today, we're going to share one popular piece talking about how to get an edge on everyone. Leading today's panel is a woman with an edge in military financial coaching. It's the woman behind the Milmo show, Lacey Langford. Plus, stacking Benjamin's resident drill sergeant, OG. And finally, it's the Secretary of Defense. Uh, Hold on a minute, that guy just disappeared again. It's only Len Penzo. But that's not all. Halfway through the show, I'll share my inherited trivia question. And now a guy who hands down the best personal finance advice he can every day. That was kind of boring. It's Joe (laughs) Salcihai. It definitely doesn't compare to the Monday, Wednesday ones this week, Doug, but at least it doesn't insult me. (laughs) Taking the day off. Everybody, welcome to the uh, Positivity Friday show. I'm Joe Salcihai. Average Joe Money on Twitter. And that's the voice of Doug. Doug, how are you doing? Oh, I'm just lovely, Joe. I, all the all the positive, uplifting talk you had about me before the show started, I'm feeling great. Well, that's where I was kind of going with that, is that you look like you're in the witness protection program. Why are you behind a screen today? I don't know. I've been licking my finger and wiping the camera lens and rebooting, and you guys wait sick. We've been on, the, on air six hours today, and you just now tell me that I look like a 1984 bitmap. The fact that he thinks he's in a separate camera OG is really weird when we're all sitting here together in the basement. Yeah. It's just, yes, I don't, I don't maybe understand. that's, maybe that's part of the fourth wall, Doug, fourth wall <laughs> and uh, deep under Los Angeles. Mr. Len Penzo is here. How are you, my friend? Great. I've been uh, using today to reflect back on my life and reminiscing about the only time in my life that I ever got fired. Did I ever tell you about that? Oh no. Yeah. I was, I, I worked at a coffee factory and, the boss fired me. I went and I asked him, I said, I go, why the heck did you fire me? He goes, well, because you have no filter, sir. Absolutely no filter. Coffee. Just a second. Filter. Whoops. That's not it. <laughs> no play. <laughs> I like the other one better. There it is. <laughs> oh, man. I don't know whose joke book is worse today. We we had a string of dad jokes before we started. Woman already poking her eye out. Is is it fair to even call her a guest anymore? I was about to say, Steve, we need the horns because we got a special guest. There's the horns. But but is she a special guest? She's here all the time. Lacey Langford's here. I'm excited you guys have me back. I was starting to think maybe maybe family wasn't welcome. We could say family. No, no, we're not. <laughs> it was there like yet. <laughs> it was one of those dysfunctional families, Lacey. Yes. Or like uh yeah. Although I was the family member willing to tell Doug that he was a little fuzzy. The only one that was looking out for you. A little stinky. And by the way, you called him fuzzy and he keeps thinking it has something to do with a camera and it has nothing to do with a camera. He's just fuzzy. It's so weird. What's going on in the Mill Money Show? You, you rebranded. Yes. Big change. New name. It was formerly the Military Money Show. Now the Milmo Show with new logo. It's and just colors. too much to say. I mean, military money. That's so much... 
I mean, why why use all those syllables? You don't have time for that. That's right. And it, I really did it for the Marines. Just kidding, OG. <laughs> wow. So it would be a little wow. shorter, easier to say, easier to read. So, crayons. Wow. Send your hate mail to. And the crayons. see uh, Air Force Langford. <laughs> I know. I did think about that, doing the logo and crayon, but it was just too much, too much. Tell us about your logo, Lacey. What's the best part of your logo? Mm, I think the energy in the State Farm agents are small business owners too, so they know how to help you choose personalized policies that fit your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. Wow, really? And what about the shape of it, Lacey? How how do you have it all shaped out? It's an M. I can't tell if you're being serious. I don't know which way to go here. Really tell you about my logo. I just, it's all a setup. I feel like the whole invite back is a setup. Would we ever cut you off, Lacey? Never. This episode is sponsored by State Farm. You a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Well, look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers. They're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. And now a word from our sponsors at Betterment. Do you want your money to dream big? Do you want your money to be a total self-starter? Are you annoyed that your money doesn't work hard enough? Well, don't worry. Betterment is here to help. Betterment's the automated investing and savings app that makes your money hustle. Their automated technology is built to help maximize returns, meaning when you invest with Betterment, your money can auto-adjust as you get closer to your goal, rebalance if your portfolio gets too far out of line, and your dividends are automatically reinvested. That can increase the potential for compound returns. In other words... Your money's breaking a sweat while you can be breaking bread. You'll never picture your money in the same way again. Betterment, the automated investing and savings app that makes your money hustle. Visit Betterment.com to get started. Investing involves risk. Performance is not guaranteed. I'm super happy you're here with us, Lacey, so we can uh, have some laughs, but really get some stuff done because, man, we've got a great piece today and a great panel because Lacey's here, Len's here, OG's here, Doug's here. Let's get moving. Our piece today comes to us from a new substack called Useful Fictions, and it's written by Kate Hall, who has done a ton of stuff. She's an actor. She's directed. She's done, well, heck, she was a Supreme Court advocate. She was the number one female poker player in the world. She started art and perfume companies and led operations at Alvea, a pandemic medicine company she co-founded when it set the record for the fastest start to take a drug to clinical trial. So she did all that stuff in her 30s, you know, in her spare time. What she talks about here is she calls agency, how to be more agentic. I think she does a great job of explaining this stuff, but Lacey, you want to define what she means by being agentic? Well, I'm going to be real honest. I had to look it up when I read this article. I didn't know that agency was a trait to me. It sums up your inner power. But if you want Merriam-Webster's actual definition, it's the capacity, condition, or state of acting or exerting power. So I feel like that's your, your mental fortitude, your, your go-get-it-inside. Well, and what's wild, Len, the way that she does this and what she advocates is looking at things differently than other people do, like, like really focusing on a problem that either A, people, other people don't want to look at, or B, diving in with both hands and getting dirty. Yeah, it was an interesting approach. And a lot of it I had done too and found successful as well. It's almost like anti-establishmentarianism in that don't follow things the way you normally should. Kind of do things off-putting. For example, she's saying you got to get out there and you've got to ask questions that you would never normally ask. And you'll learn more from the things that you would never dare asking than the things that you would ask. For example... 
she was starting a, a new company or trying to do a, a new thing in a some niche. And so she called the CEO and she asked the CEO if that CEO would mind if she could run that person's company for a, a week or so, just so she could try and learn more about the business. Now, that is something that's very bold. And she admits that stuff like that won't always pay off. But when it does pay off, the rewards are magnified way more than if you would take the traditional route towards learning something. So don't be afraid to step out and actually do things that you might not do normally just because you're you're held back. So just let go and be wild, I guess. Yeah, I want to get back to that question asking in a second. I also, Len, like her uh, example right at the top. She says, everybody's trying to grind it out, right? If I just work a little harder, if I grind it out, I'll do it. She talks about finding an edge instead. And her example was when she played poker, everybody's studying the hands and studying the cards. She decided to study the people that she was playing with and that she would get tells from the look on their face and the way they were playing their hand she would figure out what's in their hand based on that. She starts winning poker hands. Yet she tells everybody else that that's exactly what she's doing. They ask her what her, what she's doing. And everybody goes, yeah, that's not a thing. That's not a thing. <laughs> you know, there's a popular phrase in hustle culture, 10X, right? Grant Cardone, 10X. Every organization has, let's 10X. Gary Vaynerchuk, 10X. But truly, if we're trying to 10X, is it just about finding these edges and then working your ass off along the edge? Is it or what Len says, being a little bit more bold? Well, you know, when I think about like 10 times, I think it's not necessarily a result, but it's a thinking tool because it's very easy for us to think in terms of additive properties of if I do this a little bit better, then I get a little bit better result. But if you think about something being 10 times bigger or 10 times different, it completely changes everything around how you have to structure it. I'll give you a crazy example. My son's a junior in high school and you know we're starting to think about college, right? Well, the normal traditional college path is four years in college, five years in college, and then you graduate and get a job, right? Everybody kind of accepts that as the way to do it. Is there a way to do it in a year instead of, instead of four years? Like, how could that be done? Most people go, well, there's no way to do that. It's impossible to do an entire college career in one calendar year, but I know of people who have done this, and it re it requires a completely different shift in how you do things and think about things way different than actually just doing things differently, like the little additive 1% better type thing. So I don't know that the 10 times thing is a bad thing in terms of a the hustle culture, like you said, but I love the challenge of going, if this were 10 times different... If this were 10 times bigger, how would we do it differently? Just a different thinking tool. Is that what it's all about, Lacey? Maybe being a little bit unreasonable, asking for stuff that's way above what you think might be possible? Yeah, I agreed with that part of the article. Like, go big or go home. Like, if you're going to take the initiative and set yourself apart, like, if this is your inner power, like, to me, it's going for it, going for things, getting intel, like, learning more. But yeah, if you... She mentioned in two about the crossing the moat. Like if you're going to set yourself apart from people in the pack, like you're going to have to get uncomfortable and asking for more is a great way to do that. But even if that fails, you also have learned, you've checked the system, how it worked. I've applied for jobs, not to get the job, but just to understand the process and to see who responds, like to understand their infrastructure, who's doing the hiring, who's doing the responding. So there's all these reasons why you could be doing that thing that's the main reason, like, okay, maybe I'm going for this job, but if it doesn't work out, I've learned all these other things by going big. And I think that's like negotiation, whatever you want, you should ask for more in hopes to land where you want to. So I think going for it's big. And like, to me, some of this stuff's like shooting your shot. Like you see an opportunity. I don't even remember, Joe, that's how we met. I actually went up to you at an event and said to you about a podcast. And I was like, you guys missed something. You didn't have somebody like me in the show this year. And I listened to every show and you said to me, you're right. We didn't. Okay. Next year you can be on the show. And it was the podcast for FinCon. That's how we met. I introduced myself, but then you did invite me on the show. So it's like, I had the opportunity to introduce myself, but also tell you, Hey, this is an opportunity you guys could do, but it also turned out to be an opportunity for me. So it was like, what did I have to lose by introducing myself? It was either invite you on the show or enforce the restraining order. 
I had one of two choices there, Lacey. So we went with uh, Joe. Lacey brought up about getting jobs and stuff. And I think I've brought this example up one time before. By all means, be bold. When you're looking for jobs, don't ever say, if you look at the job qualifications, let's say there's a couple boxes there that you don't tick. Don't pass up the job uh, request, putting in, in, you know, ask for an interview just because you don't tick all the boxes. And I, I have a firsthand example of that with my son, a high school dropout who taught himself, you know, computer technology, IT stuff. He actually applied for a job that required a college, four-year college degree. He already knew what he was doing, but he didn't have the degree he applied, and he ended up getting the job. Uh, this is the high school dropout. Today, he's working for a Fortune 30 company making six-figure salary. He's still, you know, he's a high school dropout with no college degree, and he's working in the, in the industry there doing that, all because he was not afraid to ignore what they requested in the job application. And he just said, you know what? I can do this job. I know you have these requirements, but I'm going to apply anyways. And it paid off. I mean, that's, I, I don't know. I bet you 95% of all people, they see a requirement, they say, oh, I don't have that four-year degree. They would not even dare to apply. So be bold. I mean, get out there and don't be afraid. What's the worst that can happen? Somebody will tell you no. That's the worst that can happen. There's even though, Len, there's the other side of that too, which by the way, congratulations. And that is a kick-ass story about being bold. I also like the flip side of that, which is I saw some social media posts the other day saying something about, I just want to do meaningful stuff. I wish that I knew younger that if I just did meaningful stuff, like my life would be better. This is somebody who'd already made it and had done great things. But then I see Kate in this piece who says, the moat of low status is one of my favorite concepts. Because I feel like when a lot of people hear meaningful work, they think of high status work. I think that's the reason why they're selling ring lights at Target now. Because every kid just wants to become an influencer when you don't know anything about anything, right? So I just want to immediately get famous or whatever it is. The idea that making changes in your life, especially when learning new skill sets, requires you to cross a moat of low status, a period of time where you are actually bad at the thing or fail to know things that are obvious to other people. Like she talks, OG, about this idea of a moat and that really, I think, to get to meaningful work, that appreciating that moat and loving that moat, that it's not going to be easy is, I think, the way to separate yourself from other people. I think about the book that George Leonard wrote called Mastery, which is a similar concept, right? Where it's like this long period of time where you're doing a thing and nothing is actually happening in terms of progress. It's just as they call it like being on the plateau. So a similar type of metaphor of just this long sludge of nothing is happening and I'm doing this thing over and over again. It's very interesting thinking to consider the idea that enjoying that period of time where you're actually pretty crappy at something and enjoying the period of time where the stuff doesn't come naturally to you or like she says it is unknown to you and yet is seemingly known to everyone else when we think about like financial planning things we talk about this stuff and we on this show Lacey on yours Len and your blog have been doing the same stuff for a long long time 13 years we've been doing it Len probably longer and, and you go, well, how many times can I talk about a Roth IRA? But we have to remember that there's a whole tranche of 25-year-olds who for the first time just like unclogged their ears and went, okay, I should do something about money. And if we treat it like, you know, oh, well, everybody knows what a Roth is. So let's just move on to the next thing. There's a whole bunch of people and a whole generation of people that every single year come up going, Wait, what's this again? What, what? What? Hold on. What's the difference between taxable? What taxable? What does that mean? And you go taxable. What do you? What do you mean you don't know what taxable is? But that's that. You know, sometimes I feel like that's where we are, and I think we have to remember that there's a time and a place for kind of back to the basics when it comes to our role as it is in terms of education. But but being okay with it from the receiver's perspective too, saying like, hey, yeah, I don't know what this is. This is true for any sport that you try to do any activity that you're brand new at i'm like think about game night with joe it's like like wait hold on explain it to me like i'm stupid he's like i just did i'm like i'm dumber than <laughs> that a try again lower, a lower. <laughs> <laughs> keep it dropping it down and joe's like this is so easy you just move this piece and you draw this card and then we fight and i always win <laughs> wait what none of that none of that is true 
What I like about what you're saying, OG, too, is that, you know, when you're first learning something, and Kate talks about it in this piece, is that it forces collaboration. I mean, Lacey, just, just, I'm sure when you began in the military, well, in the military, you're forced to c- collaborate, right? Yes. You will collaborate. <laughs> you, you will collaborate. You will submit. But also when you were learning about money. But I love this idea that if you decide that you're going to swim the moat, not only will you be better for it, I think you're better for it because you're forced to collaborate with other people. Yeah, but you're also, you can never get to good unless you go through bad, unless you're just have a God-given talent of something. But like anything like in money, in business, whatever your craft is, you're never going to be good unless you get in that moat and like figure out how to swim and sludge and get better and then move forward. And you're right. You do sometimes have to reach out to other people that are further along than you or have that experience or that knowledge or resources to help you expedite getting out of the moat. I think, you know, it's great to like be there and learn and get the basics and understanding. But I think everybody's eventual goal is to get out of the moat. And like, I'm just yeah, recently doing, you should, I don't think you have to collaborate. I don't think being in the moat forces you to collaborate, but I think collaboration gets you out of the moat faster because you can, right. you can get across True. the moat learning from your own mistakes. It just takes longer. But if you're collaborating, you know, the people you're collaborating with who are smarter than you can show you the ropes and get you out of that moat a lot faster. She says that very thing led. She said it's possible to cross the moat quietly by not asking questions and not collaborating, but these trade-offs really nerf learning. Yeah. Lacey. Oh no, I was just going to say that I've been recently doing this with my conference, learning Facebook ads and that's public. Like you're putting these out ads out to the public and, but I need to learn. I need to figure it out. That's the way I learn best, not by somebody telling me all about it. It's like, I need to figure this out. Putting money on the line also helps expedite like the learning process, but it's like, I got to be bad at this before I can get better. And I want to have that understanding in my business so I can do this in the future. And even if I pay somebody to do in the future, I want to have an understanding if they're, if they're wasting my money. So it's like, yeah, it's going to be embarrassing for a while. I'm going to be in the moat, but it is what it is until I can get good at it. I was just talking to some new podcasters about that, about edit your own show when you first start out. You definitely want to have a pro like Steve Stewart, like we have, do it, but you know what you want when you have edited your show for a while. And Steve is way better than I was, but I can collaborate with him far more because I did a little bit of that myself. Uh, Len, I want to get back to your son's fascinating story because Kate talks specifically about something in here that I think that she did. You know, a four-year degree is really a gatekeeper, right? You got a four-year degree. And what the gate is, is that you learn this stuff. And we often go, well, if you don't have a degree in XYZ, that means you don't learn. But Kate has a bolded section of this that says, assume everything is learnable. Your son did that. Yeah. He took no for The problem is, you know, let me go into, I don't want to make it sound like my son's just a dropout because my son has ADHD and not the H part, but he has ADD. So it made learning books and learning school. He couldn't compute. But if you showed him things or like YouTube and stuff, he could learn from that or by doing and demonstration. He soaks things in like a sponge. It just school, the school environment was terrible for him. So that's why he was the dropout. He realized he couldn't learn from school, but he had that thirst for knowledge and he taught himself. And so, you know, he didn't let that constrain him. He didn't let the fact that, oh, well, you know, he couldn't, he'd never get a high school degree or a college diploma for that matter. He didn't let that hold him back. He still had his goal. He said he was going to meet his goal and he went about it the way that he knew how to do it. It was unconventional, but it worked. And then he had the bravery. To me, it's bravery because I would never would have done what he did to actually apply for jobs that were requiring college degrees, which I mean, I remember when he told me he was doing, I was like, man, you're, you're crazy, but he wasn't afraid and it worked. And, um, conventions are made to be broken. They are made to be broken. And sometimes you have to break them. It's your only way to succeed is you have to break those conventions sometimes. She also says, OG here, that uh, supposedly fixed rates can be altered. Some things you can learn, confidence, charisma, warmth, tranquility, optimism. Someone recently asked me how one could go about learning charisma. And the answer she gave was really boring. She said, by reading a few books, watching many hours of charismatic people, interacting with others and adopting a few of their habits. Is it truly that easy? I believe that everybody has a certain thing that they're good at. You and I speak this language from our coaching program called Unique Ability. We spend a lot of time working on the things that we suck at, trying to get them a little bit better. And Dan Sullivan, who runs Strategic Coach, the coaching group that you and I belong to and many others, 
he'll talk about that and say, you end up, if you, all you do is work on your weaknesses, then you just end up with some pretty crappy weaknesses. Because, <laughs> you know, if you're just not good at that thing. Or you make your way to mediocre. You're, you're just going to maybe be mediocre on it. Yeah. As opposed to saying, well, this is what I'm really good at. I'm going to lean into that. So that's a great example of, of Len's kid where it's like, you know, would he be a really, I, I don't know, I've never, never met your son before, but, you know, maybe he's not going to be the Supreme Court justice orator, you know, but he's going to be an amazing cryptographer who can like crack codes and, you know, see it instantaneously because that's what he's really good at, you know, on a computer thing. I don't know anything about computers and I would be so lost if I tried. I believe I could learn it, but not to a level of proficiency that is, you know, excellence. It would be a very competent activity as opposed to leaning really hardcore into the things that I'm really good at and just spending all of my energy and focus on that. And if I want to learn something different, it's learnable to a competency, but not to an excellence or, you know, profoundly unique ability type type level, I don't think. I love these ideas. Focusing on your unique ability. I'll ask your our stackers hanging out with us. What is your unique ability? And is that what you're you're focused on right now? And then also if you're in the moat, you know, how do you make the best? How do you make the most out of that time? We're going to dive into some more a uh, little bit quirky ideas that Kate has here that I absolutely love. But a couple things before we get to our middle of the show general extravaganza, we have Len Penzo. Guess what? We have a Valentine's Day giveaway for our stackers coming up. How about that? I love it. What am I, what am I getting? Oh, Valentine's Day. I love yeah. it. That's very nice. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Well, here's the deal. We don't really espouse Hallmark holidays and spending money. Do you guys spend a lot of money, Len, on Hallmark holidays like Valentine's Day, you and the honeybee? Not too often. The, I will get a card, maybe some some flowers or something. But uh, the cards are the cards are ridiculous these days. I mean, <laughs> have you bought a Hallmark card? Um, there goes your sponsorship with Hallmark. I mean, <laughs> you get a card. It's like what is it? Ten dollars, twelve dollars for a card these days? It's absolutely crazy. Make your own. We were people. joking about that Len, on Monday show. That uh, that's the real holiday. The real Valentine's Day massacre was the card aisle when everybody figures out how expensive these Hallmark cards are now. You're like, really, for a piece of paper, somebody's going to throw away in a week? Yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy. Yes. Well, uh, Lacey, at, at your house, Valentine's Day a big deal? Um, just like little something for the kids, like sharing in the morning. But I was going to say we don't spend a ton of money, but we just recently bought candy and that is also through the roof to you know put out for them in the morning yeah pretty much they're teenage boys so they can eat a lot so you can't just like give them one thing and think that's going to hold them over but i completely agree about the cards you got to flip those suckers over and check the price before you definitely go up to the register i I look at the dollar dollar fifty under three dollar cards well the homemade cards i like the homemade cards yes i agree yes absolutely Good stuff there. Well, we don't want our stackers uh, uh, spending a bunch of money on a Hallmark holiday. So instead, and by the way, we also don't care if you have a Valentine or you are our Valentine stacker. You are our (laughs) Valentine. And that's why you can be frugal this year and instead waste our money. Here's what what we're going to do. We're giving $200 to spend at a local restaurant. It cannot be a chain restaurant. It has to be a local restaurant. Take a friend, take, take a Valentine, take a group of people, but spend 200 bucks of our cash Anytime around Valentine's Day. And guess what? We will publicize that that restaurant was your Valentine, that you liked them enough, that you went there with our money. And then uh, you guys just have a great time uh, using our cash. Here's the way that you enter. You get one entry if you enroll in the thing that is the take-home version of the show called the 201. It's our newsletter. comes out twice a week. Stackybedjamins.com slash 201. And inside of the 201, there's a little code and you can use that code to help somebody else get the 201. And if that person enrolls, guess what? You get three entries and they also get one. So you're sharing the love with them. Isn't that brilliant, Lacey? It is. It really is brilliant. Compounding. Yes. Showing the love to all your friends. I think I heard about something similar at, at, at a last Amway uh, conference I was at. Didn't they have some? <laughs> Here's the deal. If you sign somebody else up, you get three <laughs> and they get one. And then they go sign somebody else up. 
The difference is we're teaching you how to save money, Len. Oh, okay. All right. Very yeah, good. Yeah, so totally different. That is good. If I start drawing circles about this Valentine's Day <laughs> thing on a sheet of paper, or if I, here's the deal, stackers. I can't tell you any more about this promotion. You got to, I, I got to come over with a friend of mine and talk about it. Right. I can't tell you exactly what it is. Stackybenjamins.com slash two. That was a joke for everybody. Stackybenjamins.com slash 201. And uh, sign up now and then sign up your friends and spend our money. <laughs> sign up your friends. <laughs> <laughs> that didn't quite go the way I wanted it to. As long as they open emails, <laughs> we're good with anyone. Yes. Stacky Benjamins, it's kind of like Amway. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, at the middle part of the show, we normally don't do that. What we normally do is we have a year long trivia competition between our three frequent contributors, Len OG and Paula Pant and Lacey today. You're playing the part of Paula. And that means there's good news and bad news. Which one do you want first? Mm, Just very large shoes to fill, but I'll take the bad news first. Well, the bad news is you're in last place. But the good news is Paula's always in last place. So it's very, very. Good. I cannot drag her down anymore. You cannot. Len has two. OG has one. Paula has zero. She has not won this year yet. The other good news is that also means you get to guess last. OG will guess in the middle. And Len, as the dude in first, you're going to kick this thing off. But we need a trivia question. Doug, what's on tap today, man? There, stackers. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug. I've been thinking a lot about retirement lately, and I've decided that I want to spend my last handful of years on a beach somewhere. Maybe Fiji or Malta. Heck, maybe even Bali, since it seems like Joe's moving there. I just want a peaceful life on the beach where no one can hassle me about having loud parties or too many gorgeous people around me. Not that I'm having loud parties, but I'm sure Joe's mom wouldn't like it if I did. Plus, parties are like a magnet for teenagers, and the last thing I need is a neighborhood kids coming over trying to drink my beer. God, being the coolest adult in town really can be a curse. I know the average house is a lot smaller on islands, so I'm going to have to get rid of a lot of my stuff. means a lot less to clean up, you know, not to mention Joe's mom will surely put me in her will, so I'll have a nice little chunk of money coming in there as well. <laughs> it's going to feel great to relax and focus on spending all of my money. Today's trivia question is, what is the average amount of an inheritance in the U.S.? I'll be back right after I go see how much one-bedroom houses are going for in Cozumel. All right. Well, there it is. Uh, Mr. Penzo, what are you thinking, man? Oh, my God. Because I just read an article. It was talking about some percentage of people were counting on an inheritance to wipe out their debts. They and, oh, sounds um, like a solid yeah. plan. It was like two out, of three, two out of three people said they were counting on an inheritance to wipe out their debts. It mentioned the, I don't know if it's the average, it mentioned a range of, based on people's income, what how much the debt was. But your question is what, Doug? It's, it's what, what's the question What is again? the average amount of inheritance oh, for someone so the in the average U.S.? average amount. So if people are, 67% of people are counting on that inheritance to wipe out their debts. I don't think people have a lot of debts. I mean, I, like a million dollars <laughs> or something, right? Sixty-seven percent of people don't have a million dollars in debt. So, and I'm helping. I'm helping OG here and Lacey out. I should probably just shut up and give a number. Um, but I'm gonna say quarter million dollars. I'll go with a quarter million. Two hundred fifty thousand dollars. OG, is that high or low? I think if we include lots of people that get zero dollars, I think that's very high. I think that's very high. So I'm going to go um, a way, way, way different number. Uh, I had in my head thirty nine thousand. I'm going to say thirty nine thousand dollars. Thirty nine thousand dollars. Lacey, you got thirty nine on one end, two fifty on the other. It's a big field goal there. It is. But I also had a number in my head. I think it's way lower than Lynn. Like, I mean, if that was happening more frequently, people would seriously be holding out to pay off their debt. Like, why bother? Run it up if you're going to get that much money. But I agree with OG. There's a lot of people that get nada. Mm, This is hard. But the number I had was $30,000. 
And I'm going to go with that. Paula may be a little frustrated with me, but I think $30,000. There's a lot of zeros. There's a lot of zeros out there. $30,000. Lock it. I, I thought, when you said there's a lot of zeros, I realized later that you were talking about the number of people that get zeros. I'm like, yeah, there's four zeros and 30,000. That's a lot. I thought he was talking about losers. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of zeros in here. I guess so. I, I, I think so. After I misinterpreted that one, I'll take that one personally. We would love to tell you who is uh, closer. Is Len closer with 250 or is OG with 39, Lacey with 30,000? We'll find out in a minute. Well, you know what I think about Navy Federal? I think about the veterans that have done so much for our country. And I also think about some of our active service members. want to say a special shout out to uh, my nephews, Colin and Nathan, who are both in the Navy. Colin is stationed outside Seattle, Washington on a submarine. And my nephew, Nathan, is in South Africa as an air traffic controller. And in Military Appreciation Month, Navy Federal Credit Union wants you also to celebrate members, many of whom go above and beyond. Navy Federal offers member-only exclusive rates, discounts, and tools to empower their members and help them reach their goals. It's all branches of the military, veterans, DOD employees, and their family are eligible for Navy Federal membership. They offer 24-7 help from their U.S.-based member service. Visit NavyFederal.org celebrate to see all of their Military Appreciation Month offers and other Navy Federal offers. Navy Federal is insured by NCUA, equalizing lender. Well, if you're new to Stacking Benjamins, you may not know that I've tried out a lot of personal finance apps. I like to be a guinea pig and try out all these things so I know what I'm talking about when it comes to uh, what's helpful and what isn't helpful. And the app that I've used the longest has been Monarch Money, and it's because Cheryl and I, my spouse, were able to collaborate together. We can work on our goals together, and our budget and our goals are right next to each other on the app. It is clearly the next generation of personal finance apps. So what is it? Monarch is the top-rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. You create custom budgets, track progress toward financial goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now, because you're a stacker, you'll get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash Benjamins. I love the fact that we get to collaborate. I love the fact that it's customizable. And I also love that it's this ad-free privacy you can trust. They never sell your data to third parties or show you ads. After trying out Monarch myself, I totally get why it's the top-rated personal finance app. And right now, because you're a stacker, you're going to get an extended 30-day free trial to try it out like I try out many different apps. And this one was sticky for me because, well, you'll see when you try out the 30-day free trial. Go to monarchmoney.com slash benjamins. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash Benjamins for your extended 30-day free trial. Len, you kicked it off with 250000 bucks. You're in the stratosphere compared to these two yahoos. What are you thinking? You might have this wrapped up. I agree that a lot of people probably get zero, but I think there's also the, the, the people that skew that average is there's probably people that get five or ten million so and that will skew just yeah. as much as the zeros. So I'm I'm fairly confident. I like I like where I'm sitting on this one. You like the Bezos factor? Yes. Yeah. Oh, G thirty nine thousand. Looks like you're not going to get the downside much because Lacey took that away from you. You're welcome. I'm feeling pretty good. I, I think this number is you know in the tens of thousands. Is it a five digits? A five digit number? Yeah, I think so. It's just whether or not it's three tens of thousands or four tens of thousands. Lacey, you feeling good? That it's even lower than OG? I'm a little nervous now that Lynn brought up the ten million plus people, but I just I'm gonna be I'm gonna stick with it. I'm confident. I'm confident. There's not a lot of them. Well, here we go, everybody. Sit back because it's that time. Doug, who's winning? Hey there, stackers. I'm future beach bum and guy who's open to being included in your will, Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug. I know it's a long way away, but I'm really looking forward to retiring one day. I can already feel the It warm. might not be as far away as you think it is. <laughs> getting that, getting that feeling today. I am. 
I can already feel the warm ocean breeze. It's okay, Joe, because I'm already picturing myself on the beach, the sand between my toes, nothing to worry about except which umbrella drink I'm going to spend time with that day while I lounge around in a banana hammock. No, no, not that. Get your mind out of the gutter. A banana looking hammock. You know, the, I mean, I look great in a banana hammock. You know, the yellow, the, never mind. God. Today's trivia question is, what is the average amount of inheritance in the U.S.? The answer, well, it's fun to daydream about inheriting a fortune from a long-lost relative. Less than a third of Americans will inherit any money at all. Uh The average amount that the few lucky who do is, is $203,800 less than what Len guessed. $16,200 less than what Lacey guessed, and $7,200 more than what OG guessed, because the answer is $46,200, making OG our winner. $46,200. That's interesting. $46,000 still pays off a lot of debt. It does. It does. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, I was thinking yes. like house too. I was thinking, well, oh, you're gonna pay off your mortgage and all that stuff, right? Yeah. Just trying I don't to know. think, is my mom and my dad average? Or a lot of trips to Vegas. I think so. <laughs> oh. Could you imagine taking forty grand to Vegas? How cool that would be. You're like, I didn't expect any of this money, so I'm either gonna get a ninety thousand dollar inheritance or zero. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> ninety. Let it ride. One spin. The exact yes. What did we find out the other day that we're like eight doubles away from a billionaire or something? We just yeah, got to play blackjack eight times in a row. No, 32. You're 32, 32 blackjack times in a row <laughs> away from being Elon Musk. If you got 100 bucks. <laughs> well, I'm guys, starting with 46,000. <laughs> yeah, we're going to expedite that. Get this. Get this, guys. This is just neighbor Doug dropping more knowledge on you. As of 2023, the latest data that was available for average American debt came from 2022. Probably shouldn't give this away because this should be a trivia question coming up, but it's just who I am. The 46000 is only about half of the average debt an American carries at $101,000. Oh. Mm. Well, it looks like you got to kill both your parents then. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> that escalated. So, sorry, like, Mom and Dad. <laughs> Reminds me of when comedian Lisa Curry was with us and said, you just yeah. got to roll them off the duck. Yeah. Uh, hey, time for the second half of this show which is uh, brought to you by DepositAccounts.com. Lacey, you know what happens when you go to DepositAccounts.com? What? <laughs> She's gun shy now after the first two. <laughs> she is gun shy. She's like, you ain't cutting me off this time, buddy. <laughs> a little you skittish. Fi- little skittish. <laughs> Surprise me. You, fi- <laughs> you find out that you can compare more than 275,000 deposit rates from over 11,000 banks and credit unions and do it all for free, Lacey. It's all for free at depositaccounts.com. I'll give you an example. The national average on savings accounts, as we record this, it'll be different by the time you hear it, but it's ticked up a little bit to 0.51% on a savings account. But if your savings account is in the top 1%, which is many different institutions, you know what? It's 4.99%, which is also up from last time Mm. that we saw it. CDs, checking accounts, money markets, savings accounts, it's all there. Probably don't have a best-in-class relationship with your lender. Head to depositaccounts.com, buy lending tree. And uh, you can compare, ditch, switch, and save. All right, let's dive back into this piece. I really like this idea of finding edges. But one area, Lacey, that she talks about finding an edge, which is a little counterintuitive. One of her ideas is increase your surface area for luck. And I'm like, okay, I like to have more luck. But she said the last couple times I was looking for a project, I made a point of meeting as many people doing related work as I could even if there was no obvious benefit to doing so. This runs contrary to all the advice that I've ever heard. Like, you know what? Focus on the people that have done it, people that have been there. Find your strategic coach land that, uh, OG, you talked about earlier. Find your who, right? Find the right who. Well, she says, what I discovered by casting a wide net was that I have very little ability to predict how useful a call will be in advance. Relevance is easier to predict, but it's not a very good proxy for usefulness which is a product of lots of other things. And she says, actually, the more confident she was that a conversation was going to be relevant, the less likely it was that something exciting would happen. <laughs> like when she was sure it was going to be fruitful, it wasn't. Serendipity? Like, do you do you just say, she says, say yes to a lot. Say yes to as much as you possibly can. 
Yes, I completely agree with that. I know people might think it's crazy, but I get a lot of outreach. I take most every call that somebody wants to set up with me because I'm like, all right, there might be something great here, a great connection, or I'm also on the side of maybe I could help them. They're reaching out because they need something. There are times that things don't work out like, all right, well, no, I don't want to buy your product or your service or whatever that is, but it's great to know what you're doing. But that's one more person that knows, you know, whether it's about my conference or about the podcast, coaching, you know, I'm meeting more people and developing relationships. And I believe in the long game, like this might not be something that's going to launch something right this moment, but two years from now, this connection and this relationship might be the thing that I need. So I agree, like you can increase your luck and the chances of things happening the the wider net that you cast and that's following opportunities that come in your lap whether you're at a conference and you'll meet somebody that's standing on the wall you never know what they do for a living and maybe a way you can help them and they can help you so i agree with that i do agree that serendipity and just putting yourself out there and being willing to have conversations especially at conferences when you're likely to meet people you don't know is a wonderful way well like you said earlier so how you and i met I like that, but I also think that you've got this other precious resource called time. And man, if I took all these these calls and spent all this time mining, well, you're bigger than me, so you probably get a lot. Well, more. by bigger, you mean I eat a lot more cheeseburgers? Is that what you're talking about? Because yes, but for all of us, we all have the same amount of time. But I put a limit on it. It's not a blank check to say you can have you know an hour of my time, you know, fifteen minutes. And a lot of times they don't even last 15 minutes. It's a very quick introduction. And maybe they just wanted to tell a lot of times people just want to tell me something and they wanted to meet me or um, an opportunity later on. So, yes, I you do have to be careful with your time, but it's not like, you know, a lot of people don't show up, by the way. You know, they'll say that they want this meeting and then they won't show up. And so then it's like, OK, it well, blows this is, me away. Wow. Yeah, it blows me oh, away, too. It blows me away. Yeah. It happens all the time. And you're like, Wow. So much has happened. Just who is it that said that? I think it was Woody Allen, like just showing up, just showing up and being in the place is a huge part of success. But Len, you look like you had something to say on this topic. Well, I think there's a danger there. There's a lot to be gained. If you look at like a continuum line about like where you're at on one end and you've got a problem with, and you you want to, you know, you're trying to figure stuff out. And if you're constantly referring to people close to you and you're in your little circle, you might not get the answer that you're looking for, maybe because everybody in that circle sees things the same way you do. However, at the other end of the continuum, people have no idea what you're doing and they're totally, and this is where I think she's talking about. I mean, she's going way out there talking to people that aren't even in whatever niche she might have a problem in or what have you. And she's thinking she's going to mine some fantastic nugget of information. I think, yes, there's a potential you could get a, a huge nugget of information, but I think the odds of that are very low. And so I think there's a benefit of not going way out on that limb, but maybe away from you, but maybe at the midway point and start checking with people and getting opinions and listening to people that aren't quite so far out. I think you have a better chance of striking gold with them, but uh, it all depends. I think it's also very important whenever you have issues. It is good to get outside of your close-knit circle because you tend to see things the same way. I know this in my engineering career when we ever had a problem. There were lots of times that our team would get stuck and we would have to go out of our entire division of the company and go to a different division of engineers, and then they would spot a problem right away. So they were still in our niche, right? They were still engineers. We weren't going That's and asking cool. – we weren't asking chefs. We weren't asking hairdressers, but we were asking people in our niche, just not in our circle. And they could see something so clearly, and we couldn't just because we were so close to it and we were all kind of – confirmation biasing each other. So I, I think, yes, go outside, but don't go so far outside because I think the odds of hitting that huge nugget from a hairdresser, for example, if you're an engineer, is very, very, uh, the odds are very low. Yeah. Or from an engineer. And you'll waste your time. If you're a hairdresser. Goes yes, the opposite that's way correct. too. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. A hairdresser coming to an engineer for, you know, she or he would probably get bad advice most of the time. Which is related to the last point on here, OG. When Len talked about going to a different group of engineers, he was asking for real feedback. And so often you find that we don't get an edge because we, you know, we don't like getting feedback. We don't, we, we true, we say we do, but man, my experience is we don't. It takes such a um, mental place to be okay with somebody telling you that you're probably doing it incorrectly. I mean, sometimes you get feedback to, that's good, but that's, that's easy feedback. You know what I mean? Like that's easy to hear. It's not easy to hear when it's, 
not great, especially when you think you're doing your best or you think you're doing the right thing for somebody to honestly share that with you. It's very difficult to give that also, right? Without sounding like a complete jack wagon or, or that you're complaining or, you know, whatever the case may be. So this is probably the hardest thing out of all of this is to be okay with other people's opinions. And then I guess secondarily to know whether or not those opinions are worth paying attention to, you know, that's another whole, I mean, we get, we get feedback all the time about the show. Some of it's great. Some of it's not great. Some of it we can use to help. And we do. Sometimes we get it and we go, well, we're not going to be talking about that because that's not what, you know, it's not what we do. Politics are coming up. The election, people are going to say, oh, you guys don't talk about the election. It's like, well, that's not what we do. That's not our thing. So, you know, we know we can disregard that. But there's other things that we do try to pay attention to. You guys have all had some things that maybe aren't on this list that are edges that you go for that are not here. Uh, Lacey, when you think about some edge that you've gotten that maybe doesn't appear here, what's one that that's really worked for you? Gathering intel. I think that's really important to understand a playing field, whether that be, you know, as a financial coach in business, a podcast or doing a conference is doing the research. So I understand the whole playing field and that way I can better make decisions that work well for what I'm trying to do. And I don't think a lot of people do the research, whether that's finding sponsors for my show or the conference, it's, you know, reverse engineering the information you gather and then applying that in a way, you know, that's mutually beneficial. So I feel like I do a lot of gathering information and then trying to make a strategic plan, which I think sometimes gives me an edge. There's been a lot of times I've seen people that uh, go into a field and and I'm always surprised they're going to put tons of money behind a project and they haven't done hardly any intel. I know a guy that was uh, creating a, a board game and I was talking to him about going out and playing a bunch of other board games. He's like, I'm afraid I'll steal from them. I'm like, well, yeah, because they all kind of steal from each other. Like, you got to know what's out there. And the board game really sucked because he hadn't done that work. <laughs> just no intel. Just I'm gonna I'm gonna make a game, and I'm not gonna see what really the marketplace is looking for. It was pretty wild. Len, uh, what's another one that's not here that's worked for you? Well, a, a big one for me is is I'll give you one, and then the corollary kind of is one is don't be afraid to fail. I think people who are afraid to fail will not take risks that they need to better themselves in life. And there's a corollary to that too is don't be afraid to say you don't know something. That's another thing I had to learn as when I was just starting out. I was I figured after I got hired that I had to have the answers every time somebody asked me a question. And I got into trouble a few times making things up on the fly just because so I didn't want to look stupid, which in ironically I ended up looking stupid when my opinion, which I thought, you know, <laughs> I'm trying, I'm faking it basically. And it blew up in my face. That took me a while to learn too, is it's okay to say you don't know something. When you admit to that, then that encourages you to go out and actually better yourself or learn what you need to learn. But the failure thing is also, there's nothing wrong with failure. We learn more from our failures than we do from our successes in life. And um, like I said, you've got to go out there. Don't let the fear of failure hold you back ever. Len, a great corollary to that one that I learned from a mentor fairly early on, maybe around 30, early 30s, was apologize. Not just say you don't know, but if you mess something up, apologize. And often even apologize when it wasn't your fault because everybody else on the team knows it wasn't your fault. And you're yes. just trying to get away from the blame game and get the ball moving again. And everyone appreciates that. Yep. Absolutely. Just, I think those two really go together. OG, how about you? I think that um, people underestimate the power of rest, which is like just that thinking time, that ability to to just be by yourself and have the capacity to just think. And you know whether that's like going for a walk or or having a day where you just don't do any work related stuff whatsoever because it's so anti thinking around. You know, I always have to be doing stuff. You mentioned hustle culture before. Like you always have to be doing stuff associated with your business or your training or your career. And the reality is, is that your best ideas come when you're not thinking about that stuff. And you get those by separating work and play, and then you get more of it by having good rest. And that rest could also be good sleep. There's a lot of evidence to suggest that that idea of work until midnight, get up at 5 a.m. and going to the gym and all that stuff is destroying your creativity and productivity so give yourself the time to be restful, whether that's, you know, just daily in terms of sleep, but also periods of time throughout the day where you're not 
just pouring over Slack and email and that sort of thing. You made me realize too, OG, and I love that one. And that's hard, I think, for a lot of people thinking, well, how am I going to get more done if I'm away? And yet she has one that is parallel to yours that says, don't work too hard. One of my favorite things that she writes here is, my rule is never take instructions on how hard I should work from somebody who hasn't burned out before. Very, very few people don't take it seriously enough that you need time away. I love that. It's those people have been burnt out that actually are, you know, know exactly where that ball game's played. Uh, Doug, during your career, which one served you well? Uh, which one that's not on the list or that yeah, is not on, on the list, list. Not, not on, on the list. list. You know, I suppose you could analyze a couple of the items on the list and this one might be buried in there, but what didn't just jump out at me was about building relationships with people that you don't think you need to, especially in a, a corporate environment where you kind of look at your org chart and you think these are the key people I need to get to know. There can be too much focus on that. And it's short-term thinking. It's myopic vision to think that that's where your future lies. And so go lateral, whether it's within your company or just within your uh, social spheres and social networking, work relationships laterally, not just vertically. You know, I love about that too, Doug, is when you see people that just work vertically, like everybody in your organization sees that yeah, and just true. total eye roll too. Like really, really, right. you're not going to pay attention to anybody except the one person you think can give you a raise. Yeah. So frustrating. Thanks for all that, guys. That was super helpful. We will link to this uh, Substack piece. It's the only piece, by the way, on Substack, uh, at least to the point that we recorded this, that Kate Hall has uh, written wrote very early this year and uh, just super stuff to work from. Let's find out. Speaking of super stuff, what's going on where all of you are. We'll start with, well, we'll have our guest of honor go last. Uh, OG, what's going on with you this weekend besides uh, Super Bowl weekend? Yeah, that's, uh, that's about it. Aren't, this we, is, uh, aren't we legally final... required to say the big game weekend? Oh, I'd love it if the Super Bowl <laughs> sued us. That'd be great. <laughs> That'd be great publicity. Free marketing. Super Bowl sues very small financial <laughs> podcast for saying the word Super Bowl. <laughs> Super Bowl, Super Bowl, Super Bowl. Come get me, Roger. Come on, Roger Goodell. This is for us uh, the beginning of the spring sports season. So baseball started or starts, I should say, tomorrow with our first away game for the spring high school varsity football or baseball season. So, so yep, it's kicking off. The quiet time is over. Now it's time to, you know, Baseball every other day, track every other day. It's uh, go sit in the stands again. Yeah, and it's usually perfectly good weather in February to watch baseball. I mean, it's just like when I think baseball, I think February weather. So I'm really looking forward to, you know, and you're in Texas, the yeah. sunny, warm Crimea days. And, yeah, I was going to say. I mean, it's not going to be awful. People in Boston and in Idaho are giving you the finger right now, OG. Oh yeah, but they don't start playing baseball in February in Boston and Idaho either. I had baseball practices in high school where we shoveled snow off the field <laughs> to practice. So I don't want to hear it. Did you have to walk uphill to get there? <laughs> you beat me <laughs> to ways. it. Barefoot in the snow. <laughs> the Listen <whole> here. <laughs> Missy. <laughs> Len, what's going on at LenPenzo.com? Uh, let's see. We are, we discussed this week, we discussed the difference between currency and money. And I know people use the terms interchangeably, but there actually is in the macroeconomic world, there is a difference between the two, and uh, we go into those differences. And uh, it's just kind of a little interesting. Uh, oh, I love that. Interesting. Yeah, it's actually pretty cool. Uh, so if you're interested, stop on by lenpenso.com. That's talk about uh, an aha, I think, Len, for a lot of people. Like, really? Yeah. Good stuff. Lacey, thanks for, thanks for hanging out with us again. Thanks for having me. It's always an adventure. She's like, and eh, I'm never coming back because yes. you tricked me and cut me off on stuff. And no, it was super. I'm so glad that uh, you were here. Well, what do we talk about first? We talk about if we've got creators in the audience, do we talk about the conference first and what's happening? Or do we, do we go into the show? We can start with the conference. Yeah. Mill Money Con is coming up April 25th through the 27th in Denver. That's shaping up. I think it's going to be a lot of fun wide variety of speakers and um, really helping bring together military financial professionals. Got some tricks up my sleeves to help people uh, be better at their craft and connect, making meaningful connections and continue their education and stuff. And then on the Milmo show, really focusing on getting back to the basics. I think some things, you know, 
like how much is your trash really worth? Like grocery bills are way up. So talking about some things like getting back to the basics, like making sure that you're not throwing out food, that you're repurposing it, that you're freezing it, you know, watching your budget, the things that are really, you know, people need right now to make some wiggle room in their budget to make sure their every dollar is counting. So getting back to the basics. I love that. I remember we had Chef, uh, who was it, OG, Frankie Chalenza on the show. And he talked about how the average person, Lacey, you probably already know this, throws out a third of the stuff that's in their fridge. Yeah, yep. that's what made me think of it. I saw my son throwing out a piece of perfectly good sausage. He it, Nobody had taken a bite out of it. He just like chucked it in the trash. I was like, we can put that in the fridge and make a sausage biscuit out of it. Why would you throw it out? He's like, oh, well, I wasn't going to eat it. I'm like, that doesn't mean it's bad. Like that's worth you know money. So yeah, it really is like produce they buy with good intentions that they're going to eat healthy this week and they just chuck it yeah. or people, a lot of people don't like leftovers. Well, then you got to get creative. We had a salad we threw out yesterday, which was just a meal planning horror story. Like we should have eaten it on time. I accidentally didn't label it. I've been, since Frankie was on the show, I've been putting the date on stuff and trying to make sure that the stuff that goes in the refrigerator first, like we eat that first, but we didn't do that. And I ended up having to throw away a bunch of uh, stuff. I'm convinced those produce drawers and refrigerators are a conspiracy from the produce farmers of America. Cause once it goes in that drawer down there in the lower left of your refrigerator, it's never to be seen again. You forget that that <laughs> the, lettuce or that onion is hole. down there for like four months and it comes out black and soupy and that's how they're keeping their revenues going. You know, the key to keeping that produce nice and, and fresh longer is wrap it in paper towels. It absorbs the moisture especially celery and, and green onions and mushrooms. You wrap those things up in paper towels and they last a long, long time. Wow. You'd be shocked how long they'll last. I saw a guy a lot on of Instagram. People put, uh, <laughs> we should let Lacey talk. <laughs> I was going to say that I saw a guy on Instagram and he broke down all of that produce stuff that onions, potatoes, they should never go in the refrigerator and how to properly store them to mm -hmm. get the most out of all of them so they don't go bad. Like some things need to be stored in a paper bag and, you know, like potatoes, onions, no sunlight, that type of stuff. So, yes, you're right. The produce drawer is probably not the place for everything. That's exactly what I was going to say, Lacey. Was that I, I learned? I learned that some stuff doesn't even go in the refrigerator in that drawer. And and by the way, we tried to tell Doug that we need to keep him in a paper bag, and it didn't work. So <laughs> he fig figured that one out. Speaking of Doug, Doug, what are our takeaways today? What's on our to do list today? Well, I'll tell you, Joe. First, take some advice from our piece today. Look for edges that other people aren't thinking about. Differentiate. Second, take some advice from our resident Milmo, Lacey Langford. You need to get comfortable swimming through the nasty muck floating around in the moat of low status like the produce drawer in your fridge. Once you're covered in the scum of ignorance and fear, oh, you'll boy. start learning how to crawl out of that primordial soup, wash off the stench of stupidity, and launch yourself into a life of learning and prosperity. Wow. I'm pretty sure that's a direct quote of what she said. I was taking notes. And lastly, what's the biggest to-do? Do not ask Joe's mom how much money she's planning to leave you. You might end up getting yourself cut out of her will altogether. She's touchy. Thanks to Lacey Langford for joining us today. You can find her podcast, Milmo Show, wherever you're listening right now. We'll also include links in our show notes at stackingbenjamins.com. Thanks to Len Penzo for joining us today. You can find Len at lenpenzo.com slash paper towel. And finally, thanks to OG for joining us today. Looking for good financial planning help? Head to stackingbenjamins.com slash OG for his calendar. This show is the property of SB Podcasts, LLC, copyright 2024, and is created by Joe Salcihai. Our producer is Karen Repine. This show is written by Lisa Curry, who's also the host of the Long Story Long podcast, with help from me, Joe, Kate Youngkin, Karen Repine, and Doc G from the Earn and Invest podcast. Kevin Bailey helps us take a deeper dive into all the topics covered on each episode in our newsletter called The 201. You'll find the 411 on all things money at The 201. Just visit stackingbenjamins.com slash 201. Wonder how beautiful we all are? 
Of course you do, but you'll never know if you don't check out our YouTube version of the show, engineered by Tina Eichenberg. Then you'll see once and for all that I'm the best thing going for this podcast. Once we bottle up all this goodness, we ship it to our engineer, the amazing Steve Stewart. Steve helps the rest of our team sound nearly as good as I do right now. Want to chat with friends about the show later? Mom's friend Gertrude, Stacy Doe, and Julia Garib are our social media coordinators, and Gertrude is the room mother in our Facebook group called The Basement. So say hello when you see us posting online. To join all the basement fun with other stackers, type stackingbenjamins.com slash basement. For more interactive fun, join us on Instagram every Tuesday and Thursday for our Instagram Lives. Kate Yonkin and Joe host those weekly. Not only should you not take advice from these nerds, don't take advice from people you don't know. This show is for entertainment purposes only. Before making any financial decisions, speak with a real financial advisor. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and we'll see you next time back here at the Stacking Benjamin Show. What do you suppose they call that? A novelty act? I don't know, but it wasn't too bad. Well, that's a novelty. (laughs) Well, Stackers, the show might be over, but the celebrations are just beginning because it is Military Appreciation Month that I want to celebrate people like my brother-in-law, Eric, who is such a giving person. Eric will do just anything for you. And as a Marine, you can see that his time in the military taught him to be a guy who gives to his community, gives to his family, and is always there when you need them. This Military Appreciation Month, Navy Federal Credit Union wants to celebrate members like Eric who go above and beyond. Navy Federal offers member-only exclusive rates, discounts, and tools to empower their members and help them reach their goals. Navy Federal's employees are part of the community they serve. Many of them are military family members, reservists, or veterans, and all branches of the military, veterans, DOD employees, and their families are eligible for Navy Federal membership. In fact, there are so many resources on the Navy Federal website, resources like Best Cities After Service to help veterans transition to civilian life and Best Careers for Military Spouses to support military families. Visit NavyFederal.org slash celebrate and you'll see all of their Military Appreciation Month offers and other Navy Federal offers. Navy Federal is insured by NCUA, Equal Housing Lender.